What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the show, Paul George. Deacon Bear, Conk in studio. What's up? Great to be with you guys. Happy Lent, everyone. Happy, happy Lent. Yeah, we're a week into it already, or a week and a half. Yeah, it's been the best week ever. Really? For Lent. Wow. Just Lenten it up. <laughs> Just Lenten it up. That's All over the place. I love that. Um, <laughs> how about you? Yeah, well, thanks everyone for listening in. How How is your Lent going? If you're listening in on the podcast or the radio, how's your Lent going? Like, how, how is it going? You know, um, and I ask that question because I think it's important for us in our spiritual life to like be self-aware of where we are. How's it going? Well, uh, let me evaluate that. You know, my, my prayer has been consistent or I've gotten off track with the things that I said I was going to do and fast from and, you know, yada, yada. But we had talked about last week, like, you know, if you stumble into Lent, it's okay to, to not quit and just start over. Like that is the spiritual life, right? Like, it's beginning again, anew, over and over again. So wherever you are in your Lent, whether it's going great like Deacon Adam or, you know, me, it's kind of like, hey, I'm kind of slow, slow rolling into Lent, <laughs> you know? I'm doing what I'm doing, but not, not, no, like, big boom yet. Mm-hmm. It's just about steady up and down growth, you know? So wherever you are, keep going or get back up. Like, we're all in this together, Right. That's right. So every time you listen to this podcast, it can be a, a renewal, a Lenten renewal. Well, at least for Lent. Right. I mean, we're going to, you know. I just mean like that recommitment, that getting back up again. And look, I don't mean to imply that I, like, I'm full-blown Padre Pio in my Lent or anything. In fact, what's I've appreciated so much is that the very simple, stable Lenten practices mm-hmm. have just brought peace and, and simplicity for a week. So I'm just celebrating that today. I'm just grateful to God for for him doing that. You know, I was reading one thing and I and I thought I would bring this up cuz it really it was very simple and it hit me. It and you know, the read was like, look, Lent is actually about doing. Okay? Not earning. Okay? Not mm-hmm. earning God's love or anything. So if, like you listen to this like no, that's not it but it is about pushing ourselves to do things too fast, to pray and to give alms. It, it's moving us out of ourselves, right? The catechism talks about this, like the worship of the one God. So worship meaning like, let me worship something other than me, God, mm-hmm. moves us out of ourselves. It moves us out of this inward thinking. So Lent is about doing. Let me pray. Let me give alms. Let me fast. Let me move out of myself, right? And and when I was reading the the this gospel reflection, whatever, last week said that, um, you know, what if for Lent you just stopped focusing on yourself and you just did what the church asked you to do? So give, give up yourself for Lent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I was like, okay. And he was like, look, it sounds very simple. Like you fast, you pray, you give alms. And for 40 days for Lent, you just do what Jesus and the church is asking you to do, and you don't focus on yourself. Like, me, 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 my, 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 right? Like, mm-hmm. And you just do that. At the end of Lent, you will be better. That sounds pretty good. Right? Yeah. And so, like, I've been trying miss. to, like, because a lot of my prayer time or, like, my self-reflection is, like, okay, Lord, how am I? I'm struggling or what's going on or yada, yada. What about these all these things inside of me, you know, that need, you know, redoing? Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've been trying to just focus more, obviously, on God and just doing 
what he's asking me to do and not focusing so much on me. Yeah, what you bring it up reminds me of one of the key images of Lent, which is the desert. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we go in yep. for 40 days into the desert with the Lord. And the sharp contrast between the Garden of Eden, where the first Adam fought and failed with Satan in a garden, where mm-hmm. literally there's everything you can want, every fruit, every food, I don't know. Like, did they have ribeyes on a grill constantly? Maybe. It was just whatever they wanted was there, right? right. Yes. And God was there. God was obviously there. Adam talked with God daily, right? There was mm-hmm. a clear connection with his father. Yet, he was disobedient. He failed in the battle against Satan. And then we have the new Adam in like a totally opposite situation, the desert. Right. Nothing there. Mm. Nothing. Yet, clearly connected with God. Right. And to me, and, that, and he wins the victory. Three temptations, he wins. And to me, it, it, it speaks to what you're saying, that Lent is a desert experience of finding God. It's a desert experience of simplicity, mm. cutting away to find the voice of God again. And it's not supposed to be complicated. That's a different experience. It's not supposed to be the Garden of Eden. Right. It's supposed to be the desert. Yeah, Jesus shows us how to fight battle. He's doing battle. Yes, he's there praying, there fasting. He's doing the work. He's growing. And we talked about that last week. And we continue to kind of challenge ourselves over Lent, like, right, to, mm-hmm. to move forward and and to be better followers of Jesus at the end of Lent. That's all we want. Like one step better follower of Jesus, you know? That's it. All right, so you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? Do, do you like that, I kind of, how I brought it in? I, I kind of asked it, but not. I was like, you have a have you, have you seen? And I do. You do? I do, yes. Um, so this is pretty interesting to me. I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a man in our country, can't quite see where he's from yet. I'm sure that'll come up as I read through it. But he developed an uncontrollable Irish accent, is what they're saying. He just used it so much he couldn't get rid of it? Well, what happened was he was uh, diagnosed with a brain tumor, which is not funny. He's still alive, praise God. But the effect it had on its brain on his brain, is that he's developed an Irish accent mm. that he can't stop doing. Wow. He's not Irish. He's not Irish. He's, he's from America. He's from America. Born and raised. And American made. Correct. Now, apparently, the chemotherapy has been helpful, like the tumor is shrinking. Mm. So praise God for that. Yes. However, he can't stop. He can't stop. So it's just speaking with an Irish accent constantly. Wow, that is very interesting. I've never heard of anything like that. I'd love to do some neurological studies on that. Actually, I wouldn't like to do the studies, but hear about them. If your brain could be rewired to like just all of a sudden think or act or speak differently, what would what would you what would you wish for? Actually, I would want an Irish accent. It's my favorite accent in the world. Is it really? I remember being on a plane one time. Can and you I was, go right into it? Oh, yes, I can. I was on a plane one time <laughs> heading to New York, and there was this couple in front of me from Ireland, and they kept talking the whole time, and I was in, I was in heaven. You're just listening. You're just soaking it all in. Yes, it was wonderful. Yeah, the Irish accent is a lot different than like the English or the Australian. You can, you can, it's very I, unique. 
I so apparently this is a uh, this is a thing called foreign accent syndrome. Wow, never heard of this. <laughs> this is new to me. Yes, and it so far fifty people have gotten it. Wow, on record. So you you would act, this actually like resonates with you? You would you know like this? I would like it. I don't think people would like it. So for example, you know I'm sure at work this would get old, right? Uh, my wife could get used to it, but I might have to move to Ireland. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, that that's. I think if my mind could, I don't know. This is so crazy. I've never heard of anything like this. But I would, I honestly like in weird. Like I would love to be able to translate words. Like if my mind could be rewired some somehow, to be like German or something. I'm, no, I'm fat. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated. But I'm not good at fascinated with like, you know, um, word breakdown, like mm-hmm. meaning from Latin to Greek to Arabic to Hebrew. And there's some people who can read and translate in all those languages. And then they speak in a language, right? And right. they may speak in multiple languages. But I would not, I wouldn't want an accent. I'd want to be bilingual and translate words. Well, apparently you don't have to get a brain tumor to get this, so there's there's luck for you here. Oh, there's more. You and could. wait, there's more. <laughs> so the same thing happened in 2016 to a woman in Texas who had a jaw surgery. She broke her jaw, and the jaw surgery somehow mess, messed with her nerves that like went up to her brain. Hmm. And when she came out of the, the surgery, she had a British accent that she was never able to get rid of. So I think if if I were you, and that's your hope, um, I would go for the jaw instead of the brains for right. us. Yeah. Yeah, but there's no guarantee what it'll come out. Like I It's could, worth a shot. I mean, <laughs> you know, no offense, but like what if I came out with like a, you know, North Alabama accent? That's true. You know, just a twang. That's true. Just a and the, and it, it it's very endearing, but it's not the one I would want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wonder if there's a certain uh place to hit your jaw where it like specifies. You know, this would be the German side. I don't know. But Anyway, so I, you know, that's uh, that happened. Wow, Th- that's that's so interesting. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, so much of Lent is it, it really is, and th- this is where I'm at, and is learning to speak the language of God. Like it, it's learning to just hear the words of God and live those out. Right. Honestly, like. Yep. Um. Like th- this is this is that season where God wants to take us and rewire our minds to think and live for Him. I just love the the way you tie in this stuff. It's beautiful, <laughs> but it's also very true. And you, you didn't think I would? I knew you would. And I, look, everyone who's listening, when Adam does, uh, have you seen? I have no idea what he's going to talk about. It is he he does it on purpose for me not to know. Correct, and I can't wait to hear how you tie it in. But you did it, and you always do it. You do a great job, but it's true and. I'm thinking about, as you say that, how grace is never something totally foreign to us. Mm. It's it's something that's in us, in the sense that God is not going to bring some life out there into my life. I have to become a totally other person. Actually, I become more myself. There's there's things in me that God's going to bring out through grace, through letting him in my life. It's like this this Irish accent on this man came from somewhere. It was in his brain somewhere, right? And this... Tumor activated it. 
or the the woman with the jaw in Texas. <laughs> like her uh, British accent was there somewhere. Like there's a little file that just was stored. Exactly. And it just opened it up. It just had to get and hit just infiltrated right. Infiltrated the whole brain. And that's what grace is like. Mm. You know, when we have a true movement of grace, it's not like you know, some kind of foreign object invading our life. It's really God just awakening something that's been there from the beginning, something that's in our heart, something that's from our baptism that we just connect with finally. And it often comes in a moment. Hmm. And in Lent, man, if God would only bless all of us, the whole church, with those kind of moments in Lent where we would get a shot to the jaw and start speaking British. That's so interesting. Have you ever been sent a virus, like a little file, and you're like, oh, click on the file. You just think it's like, you know, a folder someone sent you, and you open mm-hmm. the file, and it just infiltrates your whole system, yeah. right? Like it just it it it's done. Like your whole computer is just spread with it, and I, that is conversion for us. Is like the these these files are opened up, and God infiltrates our mind and our heart, right? And we change. We begin to think differently. Like Saint Paul says, but. We have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? Like our, our, our mind begins to think as he would think, you know, and do mm-hmm. as he would do, right? And the very nature, God's nature uh, in, in creation is that we, we all are created by God, whether we believe in God or not, wh- whether we're followers of Jesus or not. We, we have these files in us that are, that are God-given, you know? Yeah. And conversion is is these moments, these things that that maybe that that one little file opens, and God begins to through grace grow in our life, right? Yep. Yep. And everyone out in the world uh, is created by God to know God. There's no one that's like that skips over, right? right? And like for us, like what what if you know in Lent we begin to allow the grace of God to to flourish open up all the the files in our in our mind and in our heart to to know him more right and then to be sent out as a missionary to help others discover that in their own life well that's the thing you know you mentioned that missionary impulse the apostles had 3 years with the lord and they weren't perfect saints the whole time you know i was uh, a week or so ago on uh, Mardi Gras, day before Ash Wednesday, the reading was the apostles fighting over who was the greatest, right? So Jesus tells them, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, and after three days be raised. And they start fighting over, well, okay, so obviously he's going to do something soon. He's going to bring uh, liberation to our people and overthrow the Roman government. Like, he's going to be the Messiah, the king, and we want to be big shots in the kingdom. So they start fighting about it, right? And... Um, our Lord takes a child, puts him in their midst, and said, well, actually, you got to be like this child. Hmm. And whoever wants to be the greatest has to be the servant. Whoever receives this child receives me. They had Jesus for three years where files had to be accessed all three years. See what I'm saying? Like, grace continued to work on them for three years. But it, where, where did the file get open? On mission. Because they were on a mission. They were with the Lord on mission, they discovered things about themselves, both vices and where they need to grow and change, and virtue and grace and gifts and talents that God gave them. Hmm. If they would have just stayed fishermen, they would never have opened those files in their heart, in their mind, in, in the call that God had for them. And Lent is about casting into the deep in our prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, 
so that we can discover where God actually wants to move in our life. Right. Ooh, that's good. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Bear in studio. Lent edition, show 233. Wow. It feels like we've done more than that, and yet it feels like that's a lot all at the same time. It's true. Time flies when you're having fun, they yeah. say. Yeah, the, it, it is. Uh, great news. Um, holygrit.org, book's out. If you haven't heard, um, the book Holy Grit for Men. You can order the book at holygrit.org. Um, type in caps grit group and you get a discount on the book online or if you want to just order it on Amazon whatever is easiest it's great it's out it's exciting let's do it I mean it's it really is a great journey for men I think I told you this Paul but my son and I well I've read the book because I was in a grit group so I gave my copy of the book to my son who's a teenager and I said look for Lent read this and we'll talk about it we'll discuss it um <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Is he liking any of the saints in there? Well, uh, I don't know yet. We haven't had our first meeting. Mm. And he's not a... He's not a. Um, he's a smart kid. He's not though. a talker. He is a smart kid. Thomas is a smart but kid. Like, I'll, I'll say, like, how was your day? And he'll say, like, good. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. Yeah. That, Which is well, great. Man, welcome, a few words. I'm so glad you're raising teenagers now. Because, like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I still am, but, like, we've been through, like, we got three right. that, are, that are, like, out, you know? <laughs> And I'm just glad that you're just getting into the I'm shallow end. Of, it. Yeah, it is. Uh, buckle up, <laughs> you know. Like it's just kind of part and parcel with <laughs> with teenage life, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they could they could have gone to Disney World that day, right? And it had the best day ever. You're like, how was your day? Good. Or it was awesome. Yeah, and, and then that's it. That's it. <laughs> the, I mean, that's it. Like nothing else. No, nothing. Like nothing. No, no. It was good. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see you in about five years and we'll talk, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, thanks everyone for listening in on the podcast, on the radio. Uh, We are in the season of Lent. You know, it's interesting, dude. Um, The reading this Sunday is the transfiguration. Jesus appears to uh, the three disciples, you know, Peter, John, and James, right? This transfiguration happens in the middle of Lent, like this... The revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, like he's got, like they leave there and they're like convinced, right? And we're talking about this conversion in our hearts, in our minds for all of us, like conversion we've talked about many times is ongoing and yet it can happen in a moment as well. It's not just a one-time thing. And for some people it's a, it, it needs to happen and start and, and we're going to be vessels to helping that out in the world. But Peter, James, and John had a deeper conversion at that moment. They saw Jesus. They knew that 
there was there was something unique, special, and even were convinced that he was the Messiah after that, right? And here, here's what's interesting, though, is like, what did they want to do? They wanted to build tents and stay up on the mountain. And it's interesting, like right in sort of like the, the first still part of Lent, Jesus is like, no, no, we're going down. We're going to go down from this mountain and we're going to live life and, and be in the world. And, and they're like, no, 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 let's stay up here on the mountain. And it's just interesting. So there's sort of this already Jesus is moving in this missionary attitude with the apostles. And that's so important for the journey to Calvary. If you don't see the mission of Calvary, you don't really get it. Right. From the moment Christ was conceived, he was on his way to the cross. And everything he did was part of that mission because that's what the Father sent him to do, to take on the sins of the world, to die on the cross for our salvation, rise again and ascend into heaven and reign forever. His earthly mission is the cross. Mm. Everything else that he does is all about that. And if we don't understand the mission of the cross, we don't understand the cross. And in a similar way, if we don't understand the mission of Lent, we don't understand Lent. Right. It's not just about self-mastery. Right. It's not just about having a lot of discipline in my life. It's not just about, you know doing away with distractions. All those things are very important. But there's a reason to do all those things. And it's the salvation of our soul and those that we influence. And it's very important that we do it. <laughs> yeah, and this is, you know, Jesus is making us aware of this, the reading already. He's like, this is who I am, and this is what we're going to be about, right? Exactly. He plants that seed, and, you know, it's just, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about it because we, we celebrate uh, or commemorate or... Uh, all those things, um, some pretty cool saints this week, but one in particular that had a missionary vigor that, that changed America in a lot of ways. So it all ties in. It's kind of crazy how, how the church is very wise. <laughs> the church is wise. Just do what the church asks you to do for Lent, and you'll be better at the end, and I just keep focusing on that. Well, you see, the transfiguration really is the vision statement of the church. Mm -hmm. The cross is the mission statement. If I'm getting those terms right. Yeah, no, that's good. Like yeah. transfiguration is the vision, literally, that we're all working towards, that we're all trying to achieve, which is to be on that mountain with the Lord forever. That's right. heaven. That's our vision. But how are we going to get there? How are we going to move toward it? How are we going to make progress on that journey? Yeah. A different mountain. So you have Mount Tabor. Mount Calvary is our mission statement. Hmm. And saints like St. Catherine Drexel get that. They get it, and so everything their life is about is is about Calvary because their vision is is Tabor, is the Transfiguration. That's true. It's heaven. They're working towards heaven. Hmm. All right. Do you have a uh, weird Catholic stuff? What? Yep. Who did that? I don't know. I think Catholics are weird. You're weird. I am weird. I'm convinced you're weird. Weird Catholics, stop! All right, so it's Lent. Yep. Happy Lent, everybody. Apparently, Catholics get weird during Lent. There's some weird stuff, but tell me, because, you know, 
you probably know a little bit more than me, or you found. Well, there's some out. things. There's some things I'd never heard of. Okay. Um, out of Europe, some weird Lenten traditions. All right. <laughs> now, some weird things in Europe in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one's out of Croatia. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. Good, good, uh, good Christians, Catholics, and Croatia. This is nothing against Croatians. No, no, Croatians. no. We, 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 we love everyone here. In fact, the strangeness of it is how much this makes sense, but like seems really weird to the well, outside. And not world. only that, like for for all those you listening in the United States, our history compared to Croatia is minute. Correct. Right. So like we've been around like five minutes. Yeah. Well, anyway, so in Croatia on Ash Wednesday, after a long carnival season. So they've, you know, they've done Mardi Gras for a while. Oh, they do. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, on Ash Wednesday, they have this wooden doll. It's, it's human-sized. It's like your size. Like Pinocchio. Man-sized. Carved wooden. Yep. And they call it a Fosnik. 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 And they burn it. Wow. For what? <laughs> so it symbolizes all immoral and mischievous conduct from the past year. Oh, gotcha. And they burn it. So it's a symbol of the old self. Exactly. Um, and it's, it's... So it's got spiritual meaning, obviously. Wouldn't that be sweet on Ash Wednesday, like in America? So we get our ashes, and after Mass, we go out into the courtyard, and we just burn a man, like a wooden doll that represents immorality. We would probably get canceled for that, because somebody would find something offensive yeah. about it. Sounds pretty neat. All right, another one uh, in Lithuania. Lithuania. The night before Ash Wednesday, so on Mardi Gras, <clears throat> they um, do something similar, but uh, they have a, a play, a staged battle. It's mm-hmm. pretend, but right. it's, like, it's like a reenactment, let's say, <clears throat> between Lasinis is a character who's like, they call him a porky figure, but he's just he's he's a, a symbol of gluttony and like okay. overindulgence. Right. The seven deadlies. Right. He fights Canopines, who is a more like disciplined um figure. Okay. And they battle it out. And Canopines wins and then starts Lent. Oh, gotcha. So it's like a, a battle between the flesh and the spirit, let's say. Good and evil. Good and evil, the overindulgence of the world with mm. like a disciplined Lent. They fight it out the night before Ash Wednesday, and it's kind of a like a wrestling match. Like we know who's going to win. We should do more of that. Wouldn't that be neat? Yeah, like yeah, in the yeah. parish hall after Ash Wednesday Mass. Yeah, we maybe more people would get into it. <laughs> <laughs> There's some wisdom here, I think. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it was cool on Ash Wednesday here. You know, I went to noon Mass at one of the parishes and. <clears throat> Um, it was packed. I mean, it wasn't the only mass of the day. You know, there were probably four. Right. And it was unbelievable. And, you know, thinking like just more like as someone who's been in the arena of evangelization uh, is, I wonder if a lot of these people don't go to mass regularly, like, but they'll come on Ash Wednesday. Yep. You know, which is so interesting that the church has been so steady in doing what it does, that people who even don't go to church know where to go and what to come back to, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a kid that runs off from home and, and, and sort of the prodigal, right? 
he always knew that home was there. There was a safe place, even though he was afraid to come back. There was a, there was this in his mind. He knew that there was a safe home to come back to. And as my kids have gotten older, some when they come home, it's just like when they come home, they just love coming back home. Just like the comfort of like us being there, foods being cooked, no matter what. Yeah, there's a bed. You know, like their clothes are washed or whatever. Like when they come back home, there's a comfort and a safety. And the church has been so consistent over the centuries of like, no matter what, guess what? We're going to have Lent and Ash Wednesday and Advent and Easter and Christmas. And you can always come back home. Like no one's ever going to like not let you come back home. That's the beauty. And I was seeing this in the church is like, yeah, I mean, I hope a lot of these people, this is a re-entry point of opening up a file in their mind mm-hmm. that God can be a part of their life and they could be a part of the church and the church is welcoming them back home. And the church has become really like much better at that as well. Yeah, and that's the importance of these traditions. And they give a sense of home and belonging, especially if we go through periods of our life of Straying from the church, straying from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like so, for example, this Lithuanian wrestling match the night before Ash Wednesday. Um, I imagine if I was someone who got away from my faith that year, right, I wouldn't miss the wrestling match. And since there's a message in the match, right, like a message of the the spirit winning over the flesh, I might be inspired that year. I might see in that match the battle I've been through all year, right. You know, and I think that's what people see with ashes. It, it it is true. I mean, you can spot them from a mile away. There are folks that are either not Catholic or haven't been a mass in a long time that show up at Ash Wednesday, and it's such a great thing because the message of the ashes, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, mm-hmm. can be meaningful to them, and they can think about the fact that they're going to die one day, and they they're going to have to face the Lord, and they want to have a good relationship with Him. These things are really important, right? You know, it's interesting, you know, we're talking about the reading, the transfiguration, and like here in the middle of Lent, like Jesus is showing to uh, Peter, James, and uh, John who he is, you know, and uh, Moses and Elijah appear beside him. I mean, you imagine like the scene, like they're probably freaking out, like what in the world? And Peter said in reply, Lord... It is good that we are here. I wish we could make three tents here, one for you, Moses, and Elijah, and, you know, just like, let, let's stay. Um, but Jesus came and touched him, saying, Rise, do not be afraid. And when the disciples uh, raised their eyes, they saw no one else was there but Jesus alone, and they came down from the mountain. They didn't stay there. And, <clears throat> you know, it's so interesting. Like, here, here we are in this Lent. Like, Jesus is preparing us all to be disciples and to be missionaries out in the world. All of us. So when when he tells the disciples, hey, go out to the nations, you know, go out to all the nations and make disciples, he doesn't say that he's going out. He says that you are going out. And I'll be with you to the end of the age, but you are going to do it. You and me, like, Mm -hmm. and everyone else. Like, I'm sending you to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And behold, you know, I'll be with you always. Like, He's telling them to do it, right? He's empowering them, which is us. Like we're baptized into this missionary movement of Christ. Yep, and every grace we need for that has been given to us in our baptism. It's not a new grace. It's, you know, what, what uh, 
what was activated in the apostles at Pentecost was not something that the Lord didn't already give them, but the Spirit came in such a way at Pentecost that their minds and their hearts were on fire with what the Lord already did and said. So like the transfiguration, for example, Peter, James, and John saw that. Peter and James abandoned the Lord on Mount Calvary. John didn't. So he remembered the transfiguration, let's say. But they abandoned the Lord even after the transfiguration, even after they saw his glory, his majesty, how great he was. They abandoned him. They came back. But it took the movement of the Holy Spirit of Pentecost to where they could see who Christ really is and have the power of the Spirit to go on mission. Because hmm. our mission, if it's not sent by the Father through the Holy Spirit, is not going to help anyone. Hmm. But like you mentioned, the Lord sends us by the power of His Spirit into the world. And that's already been done by our baptism. Yep. Like, we have been sent. Yeah, I mean, we, we celebrate this this week uh, one of the most influential American-born saints ever. And I don't know why we don't talk more about her. Maybe because she was canonized in two, around 2000, right? Mm -hmm. But what in the world? Like, we need to, I, I need to read more about her. But uh, <clears throat> St. Catherine Drexel, I mean, she was born into a wealthy family. Her dad was an international banker. Uh, but he was he was um, devout. He he would pray. Her her mom, their super wealthy family, mm -hmm. would open their home to the poor. So she had this sort of like image of like wealth and yet God, and um, you know she realized like when she was nursing her stepmom, her dad had got remarried after I think her mom had passed away. Am I right there? Mm -hmm. um, she, it says this that. Uh, Said she saw that uh, all the Drexel money could not buy safety from pain or death, and it took a profound turn in her life. She realized, like, like money, you know, thing can't solve life's greatest issues, right? Yeah, and I think we all realize that in our life. Like for Americans, like we're all wealthy in a lot of ways, <clears throat> and we realize, like, you know, uh, there's a deeper hunger and desire in all of our hearts that things or money can't fix, right? But she was super influential. You know, this is like, uh, she was born in 1858. They said when she left her family to be missionary, she left $7 million. Like in, in today's term, that was, that's probably Seven like, gajillion. that's like, could be like 700 million or se like, it, yeah. it's an, it was an unlimited amount to live on interest for the rest of your life. Like, right. Oh, yeah. She, she was. She was that family. She left it all. But it says, uh, this is what's so amazing. Like she started feeling like this desire to reach the impoverished, the Native Americans, the African Americans. And she said, why don't a European tour? Okay, so she had the money to do that. She met Pope Leo the thirteenth. And I love this guy. I need to read more about him because this is what he said. She asked him, the Pope to send more missionaries to Wyoming to her friend, Bishop James O'Connor. Okay. So she's like, Hey Pope, like, can you imagine, uh, can you please send more missionaries, you know, to Wyoming, you know, to help reach the native Americans and like the people out there, the Pope replied, why don't you become a missionary? <laughs> Is that like, not the line? Like, like we all need to hear this today. Why don't you become a missionary? 
His answer shocked her into considering new possibilities, and from there, she left everything and became a missionary to, in the Dakotas, to the Sioux leaders, to, you know, just the impoverished um, Indian missions, started schools for the poor, for the African Americans, like... Even a university in New Orleans, Xavier University. Xavier University in New Orleans. Uh, I mean, schools all over in Santa Fe. Um, <clears throat> started a religious order. Um, I mean, she met with St. Francis Cabrini. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, <laughs> like, I'm reading more about her. I'm like, what? why don't we talk more about her? Like, what, you know, she was a Mother Teresa before Mother Teresa. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Well, and she, she lived at the same time as another Mother Teresa, St. Francis Cabrini. I mean, these uh, women that the Lord has blessed our country with that are true mothers to our country, mostly the poor and underprivileged, but to all Catholics in our country. I mean, these are, these are our mothers. Um, Mother Seton, we, w- we wouldn't have a system of Catholic education in America if it wasn't for her. Like, she figure that out for us. And uh but anyway, I <clears throat> I love the the challenge that Pope Leo the 13th gave her. And it's a good example of what we're talking about that she only had that meeting with him because she had already had meetings with that bishop. She only had meetings with that bishop because she already had an encounter with the death of her mother. Like the journey of the mission, the journey of following the Lord step by step will then lead to these moments that just, bam, hit us. And she became something new, but not something foreign. She became a religious. She became a missionary after that meeting with Pope Leo XIII. But it wasn't like a whole new life that there was nothing there before. It was actually a flowering of her baptism. It was a call the Lord already put in her heart that she just didn't know was there. Like starting to speak with a British accent. She didn't know it was there, but the Lord brought it out of her through the ministry of Pope Leo XIII through just one conversation. And that's often what happens with the Lord, that if we're following him faithfully for years, he'll Mm. send people into our life who just say one word, do one thing, that then bring it all into perspective, into clarity, so that we can know what the Lord's asking of us. It's pretty impressive. Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament, a string of foundations followed, 13... School, uh, schools, Catholic, black Catholic schools in 13 states, 40 mission centers, 23 rural schools, uh, 50 missions for Indians in 16 states, the first Catholic university in America for African Americans, Xavier University, which still stands today. I mean, we, yep. and like, we're just like, hey, at 77, she had a heart attack and then spent the rest of her years just praying. The next 20 years, she died at 90. Six and was canonized in 2000. We need to celebrate this girl right in the middle of Lent, <laughs> you know, because he, here's the, the cool thing. Like, let's tie it all together is Jesus has this transfiguration moment and is beginning to plant the seed that, that you know, obviously he's on his way to death and the disciples are going to be the missionaries in the world and they're going to baptize other people into that missional life. You and me today, mm-hmm. thousands of years later, St. Catherine Drexel, all of us, like this is the move that we grow in our discipleship and we are the ones that go out. Like we're the ones to go to our neighbor, our next door person and, and begin to help open the files in their mind to believe that God's got a, a life that's good for them. Right. And a story and, and they're meant for heaven. 
this is this is our missionary call. Like this is it is us. There is no one else. Like this, you know, you can't just look to your parish priest or, you know, your deacon or whatever. Like it's all of us called to bring the love of Christ into the world. And the way it's done is is let's say different than we might see on TV or whatever. Like a lot of us are timid in sharing our faith because we think we're introducing something completely foreign into people's life. Like if I say, Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? Or Hey, can I, whatever. It's like, I'm, I'm invading someone's life. They're just going about their day. Look at the way Pope Leo the 13th did it with Catherine Drexel. And let's imitate that. What he, what we did was he listened to what she wanted in her life. Mm -hmm. And then he challenged her that the Lord might be calling her in a certain way to fulfill what she wanted. So it wasn't something like extra. Some, he, he didn't say, well, actually, Catherine, I have these needs I was thinking about here in Rome. And I was wondering if you could come do that because we need your money and we need your influence. Right. He listened to her and then said, well, you go do it. And when we are in people's lives in such a way that we can hear their desires, we can hear the longings of their heart, then we can offer, well, maybe the Lord's calling you to something. That's the question. It's not, look, you need Jesus to be super happy. You need Jesus to actually find the meaning of your life. All that's true. But what gets people hooked on Jesus is this simple question. Is he calling you to something? You can't sleep at night if you're asking that question, right? Like if, if the possibility that the Lord is calling me to follow him, calling me to be on mission, calling me to do something— if the answer is yes, I got to find out. Right, and that's the seed that's planted. That's the, that's the, um, that's tapping into that desire of the heart to being a, a a living relationship with Jesus. Is He calling me? And so, when was the last time we asked somebody that? Yeah, I mean, I think over Lent we need a we need to ask the Lord, like, because Lent is about doing. It's about building in a discipline of prayer, fasting, and all. It is about like focusing on God and not on like, so like to, to be able to live out in the world and to fight the enemy, we need to ask the question, what is the Lord in calling me to do? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I gotta be honest, like in some ways, like I'm tired of like people complaining to me or whoever, well, the church should do this or they should have this or they should have more of this. And be like, well, just look in the mirror and be like, well, maybe I should do that. Maybe, maybe I'm the one to start a Bible study or lead a women's group or a men's group or, you know, feed the poor or go to my neighbor or, uh, you know, do something in my home or, you know, why do, why do we have to sit around and ask permission to be disciples? We don't. Right. We don't have to sit around and ask permission to be a missionary in the world. Like we're baptized into that. Right. Like this is what the church, like we're just like looking at the church, be like, y'all should do everything. And like the church is looking at us and be like, wait, you're baptized into this mission. Like, this is what you, we all should be doing. It's time to open that file. Yeah. Start, okay. Start speaking with a different accent. Before I go nuts, <laughs> we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. 
That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Bear in studio to the Paul and the Bear show. I mean, what what should we... We continue to throw around names, but we're we're going to land on something life changing. Yeah, so, I have faith. I have faith in you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, here we are in Lent. You know, we're going to fast during Lent for a name change. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> God is on the move. Uh, yeah, I'm really challenged by Saint Catherine Drexel's life. Yeah, I, I mean, I look, I'm going to start asking that question like, oh, well, what about me? What should I do? Like, why don't you go and do it? Yeah. Why are you asking me? Why don't you go? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, like his words to her changed. Like God used her to like influence a lot of people, make a lot of changes. Yeah. And I mean, it was the transfiguration experience. I mean, she went to Rome. She's in this palace with the Pope. Like it was definitely a... Wow, it's good that we're here. I've never been to Rome. You've been, but I imagine it's, it's that kind of experience. Yeah, and I didn't have a face to face with the Pope, right? You but know, like, like I'm, uh, but being at the Vatican, being at St. Peter's Basilica. I mean, it is interesting what money can influence you to do. I mean, like I know people who have met with the Pope because they they have high influence, right? I mean, they can get strings pulled and have a meeting, right? right? Which is kind of sad. Like, like why can't I have a meeting with the Pope just as much as like someone who's got you know, millions of dollars. Maybe because the Pope's like, hey, use that money to make a difference in the world, you know? But we it's, it, true. it's not about money. It's like we all have unique and specific gifts that we can use, you know, to change the world. Yeah. Like, And see, the yes to St. Catherine Drexel is not that we remember her for all the great things that she did, but it also gave other people permission to join in the mission of what she was doing. She didn't do yeah. all that on her own. She had a whole religious order of people who felt called into that and served the Lord and made a difference. And when she, for the last 20 years of her life, because she had a heart attack, she just prayed. You know, she she was incapable of serving on mission. It continued, and it's still continuing today. So you know it's of God when the fruit continues. And there was literally no reason for it to succeed. I mean... The infrastructure of the country was limited. The infrastructure of the church was limited. The uh, There was nothing currently existing in the area she wanted to work in. She had to build it all from scratch. Yeah. There was no reason for it to succeed other than God wanted it to happen. And that's the power of discipleship. But her discipleship began as a little girl at home to say yes to Jesus like that. Right. Right. And so for a lot of us... If our discipleship is weak, there's no way we get to where Catherine Drexel was, not because we are not as capable as her, not right. because we're not called to the same holiness, but because we're we're holding back on Jesus and right. we're not really listening to everything he wants from us and saying yes, because it takes it takes the heart of a disciple to be a missionary. Pope Francis talked about this. The the term missionary disciple is kind of redundant, but it's it's real. To be a real disciple, you're missionary. And to be a real missionary, you're a disciple. And there, there's a connection there. 
that our mission is going to be limited when our discipleship is limited. Mm. And our discipleship is going to be limited by our lack of imagination and lack of commitment to mission. If we're literally, if we're not going to the table with Jesus saying, look, if you want to send me to China tomorrow, I'll go. We're not really disciples. Right. If we don't wake up every morning with like, Lord, I don't know what you want from me today, but I'm doing it, then we're never going to be like St. Catherine Jexel. That's right. Yeah. What if we use the backdrop of Lent, the foundation of Lent, what the church is asking us to do in Lent, enter in. And at the same time, like, Lord, at the end of Lent, I'm going to be a better disciple. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be one step better as a disciple, more committed. My, my prayer life is going to be a little bit stronger. I'm going to be, I'm going to build in some discipline. You know, I'm going to be thinking about you more than I think about me. And in doing that, that's the missionary spirit of a disciple is I think about God more than I think about myself. Because mm-hmm. when I think about God more than me, I think about others. I begin to see the need of the world. Yep. Right. Yep. And when I see a need, instead of looking at the church and be like, y'all need to do this. Maybe I look in the mirror and say, maybe I should do that and stop complaining about like why someone else isn't doing it. And imagine like if every one of us just looked in the mirror and be like, well, what if I filled that need instead of like complaining that someone else hasn't. Right. Yeah. Well, I think one of the main blocks is fear, fear of our own inadequacies, but there's also a fear that the the devil inserts where, I mean, our enemy does not want faithful disciples. He does not want people on mission. He does not want people to have clarity about what the Lord's calling them to do. And so if you think about it, the most logical thing in the world is to give our life to Jesus. Mm. And yet, for some reason, we all have this fear within us to do that. And don't think that's just a psychological problem. Right. It's a spiritual one as well. And the enemy wants us afraid. Right. Now, Lent is a time to do battle with that enemy. Straight up. And if we're not, then the fear wins, the enemy wins, and we'll come into Easter basically the same as we are now in Lent. But if we're willing to do battle with the devil in our life, like you were talking about earlier, we need to stop complaining about what other people aren't doing and right. look in the mirror. Well, if we look in the mirror, we're going to see within ourselves this spiritual battle taking place. Hmm. And if we're, not, if we're not willing to engage in that battle, then our discipleship is severely limited Amen. because the devil will always be there like a roaring, a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. That's right. And and St. Catherine Dressel didn't succeed because the devil just gave her a break. In mm. fact, he was after her much more than he's after me. Mm. She succeeded because she lived every day in that battle, willing to let the Lord win for her. Yeah. Battle after battle after battle. Disappointment after disappointment. Trial after trial. Suffering after suffering. And uh, so a lot of us are just too dang afraid to live like that. But the irony is, Paul, as you know, you're going to live in some battle anyway. Right. Right? Like if it's not a battle for the Lord, you'll be fighting something else. There's always going to be suffering, trials, battle, burdens. You just got to pick which which battle you want. Hmm. Which team do you want to fight for because you're going to be fighting for some team. Hmm. You know? 
I'm well, on team Jesus. I try yeah, to be. Yeah, and and this is the thing is, uh, if you're like, hey, I'm neutral. D- no, you're not. You know, because Jesus literally says, you know, literally quoting, you know, either be hot or cold. Because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Like there is no, there is no um, neutral team. You know, we can't be France <laughs> in discipleship. Mm. Sorry. Like, you can't just be like, I'm neutral. You know, I don't want to offend anybody. Like, I, I'm not picking a team. Like, what? We're created for God, by God, to live for him, to be his disciples. This is where we find the most freedom. This is where we find victory, where we win. The game is won. Like, this is the team we're all called to. So, like, to be like, oh, I'm neutral means that you're actually exactly where the enemy wants you. Apathetic, mediocre, lukewarm. And if like Christians around the world are simply just neutral in the game, then then like the enemy's like sitting back on the beach of the Bahamas saying, like, wow, I've I have I have really won some hearts away from the Lord, you know? Absolutely. And that's not that's not where we're called to be. Like let 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 be a time to like revitalize your heart your heart your life your mission your discipleship to be active into the world like here we go well that first activity is that battle i mean do you think Catherine drexel was welcomed with open arms in all these cities she went to like when she came to found xavier university the first black university in the country you think everybody was really excited for her no she had she had a lot of like people who didn't like her and how did she have the backbone to do it anyway? How did she have the backbone to, to stay faithful? Because all of those people mm-hmm. were not the enemy. Right. The devil was the enemy. The darkness was the enemy. Uh, sin and death was the enemy. And so she was able to love those people in the midst of those trials. She had a real awareness of the spiritual battle within her own life and in the world that gave her the grit and the ability to go where she wasn't welcomed and bring the gospel to where a hundred years later or more, Xavier University is still there. The school she founded are still there. We have um, in my hometown, Karakro, there's a school she founded. Still there. Um, there's a public school in New Iberia, not far from us, named Drexel Elementary after her. She founded it. It was converted to a public school where they kept the name Drexel in honor of her. It's still there. In Louisiana. In Louisiana. All these things are still here. Because, in, in places she wasn't welcome, because she first went into her own heart and had nothing to give to the devil, right? I'm giving you nothing, not an inch of my heart. It all belongs to Jesus. And she did battle in that desert of her heart every day. And so the battles in the world were doable. Hmm. The, the ridicule, the, the accusations, the, everything she got in the world as she was doing the Lord's work were doable. Because she had first done battle in her own heart. And that's what Lent is. It's, we read in Luke's gospel that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to do battle with the enemy, to do battle with Satan. It's essential to Lent that we all let ourselves go inward into this battle because we are weak, weak, weak missionaries if we don't get strength in fighting the devil in our own life. Amen to that. Well, uh, we pray for the intercession, through the intercession of St. Catherine Drexel, that this Lent, God could build in us a missionary fervor and a commitment to discipleship 
let's do that. Like, you know, let's use Lent as the backdrop for that, the foundation. Hey, like that. you said, let's just do what the church says to do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and we'll be better off. Complicated. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, listening in. Um, Paul and Adam, great to be with you today on the radio or the podcast. Uh, go to holygrit.org for more information or to get the book. And we'll be back next week. God bless. Thank you.